Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Raw Knuckles Podcast. Please like, follow, and subscribe. In Calgary, fourth line guy, there was no car deal. You could go to the grocery store. Nobody <laughs> knew who you were. Like, you'd go to a fourth line ticket. guy, no oh, car deal. Yeah. No, no car. You'd go to season ticket holder stuff and, and the big events. And, like, some of these oil and gas guys are, are making double, triple what you'd make in the NHL. And, and you know, it just felt like everyone at the time in Calgary was making good money. And, and being a Calgary Flame was, was you know, it, it was fun. It was good. It was a great city, great fans. But it wasn't Montreal. When I stepped on the ice, I never backed down. And I never stayed down. And I was vicious. And I was malicious. And I don't care. <laughs> Paul Byron, welcome to the Raw Knuckles Podcast. Tim and I are uh, grateful that you joined us today. Really appreciate it. Um, Your career, I got to tell you, I didn't know much about you, uh, to be honest with you. I I was doing the radio here in Montreal, and I I remember uh, Flash come across. uh, Canadians pick up Paul Byron, and I'm thinking, who's Paul Byron? And honestly, and we were talking about it. I was talking about it with my partner, Campbell, and I, he said, um, yeah, I don't really know much about Paul either. And I said, yeah, I'm probably going to end up in the American League, blah, blah, blah. Um, the ignorance of me at the time, because I, I hadn't heard of you. Um, how, how happy were you that you knew at that point you were going to Montreal? We, you know, obviously growing up close to here, uh, in close to Ottawa, between Ottawa and Montreal. How happy were you to find out you were coming to the Canadians? Oh, thanks for having me on, guys. <laughs> um, I mean, looking back now, it's uh, like it still brings a smile on my face, you know, being so close to home. Uh, I was living out west. My 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 son was one year old. My daughter was, was two at the time. Um, I couldn't be any happier to get the news that we were going to Montreal. I mean... Uh, like even now, like my heart raises, like I get goosebumps thinking about this a, a, a little bit. Um, you know, I was coming off, uh, you know, two pretty big surgeries in Calgary and, you know, uh, being put on waivers was, uh, it was crushing, seriously. Like the, the, the day before, you know, probably one of the lowest that I've felt in my career. You know, when you're, you're 23, 24, you haven't earned it yet. You're, you're digging, you're going to the minors. Like that's all normal. You, like the highs and lows there were good, but when you finally feel like you establish yourself on the team, you've created a role for yourself. You feel like you make the team better. They know that. You know that. Um, when they when they gave me the news, it was uh, it, it was crushing. And then the next morning, um, it was 10 a.m. Uh, Mountain Time in, in 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 Alberta. The team was like going through a warm up. Get the get the call. Hey, you got to go up and see the the GM. Uh, I already kind of knew that uh, that I was leaving and. Uh, you know, I was trying my best to hold back the smile. I didn't want to be disrespectful to them, but, you know, I, I couldn't be any happier to go to Montreal, play for that team, be close to my family, be close to my wife's family. Um, you know, it was uh, you know, it was a dream come true, seriously, getting to be a pickup that day, and I'll, I'll never forget it. Did you have, like, a hatred towards the Flames right away? Like, were you hoping to play them and, and kind of like a fuck you? <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't say I had a hatred to them, no. Yeah. Um I mean, I was definitely excited to play them. It's like you check the calendar. When are we going to Calgary? And it was like, I don't know, game game 10 or game 11, like an early trip out west. And I was definitely pretty motivated for that game. But there, there was no hatred. There was no animosity. Like, 
Um, you like I get it as a player. Like there was other players in the team. They thought that they didn't want to lose. Maybe they could sneak me through. They they had talked to me the day before. They said that they weren't gonna send me to Stockton. Like they kind of knew I wasn't really ready to start game one of the year. So it wasn't like a a mean thing or like oh my god these guys fucked me over. But I was definitely motivated to to play that game against Calgary and and it showed them that oh you guys made a big mistake and you're gonna pay for this one. Well, you certainly did, and you opened some eyes here in Montreal, me being one of them. But it, it all started, obviously, back in Gatineau. You played junior in Gatineau in the queue, and then uh, you're drafted by Buffalo. You're draft year uh, 07. Um, were you expecting to be drafted, and did you go to the draft? I didn't go to the draft. Um, I wasn't expecting to be drafted, no. Um the year before, I was playing Junior B as a 16-year-old. So it's like, I mean, it's a pretty good league in Ottawa. We have AutoU, we have Carleton, we have Algonquin College, all relatively close. So the league's pretty strong. You know, there's a lot of good players at the time that were more school-focused and practicing once a week, one game a week made made life a lot easier for those guys. Um, so, you know, the league was good, but, I mean, you're playing Junior B hockey. Uh, 16 months, fast forward, you're not thinking, hey, I might get drafted in NHL. I was five foot and five foot eight, 135 pounds. My draft year, tiny guy. I know the game was kind of on the way to, to being changing. It was evolving. Um, Buffalo was was really good at Briere and Drury and and, and Pominville and Derek Roy. So like the league was really changing, but it was still pretty early. It was 2007, maybe two years after the rules had changed. I had no idea I was going to get drafted. I didn't want to you know go down to Columbus and and kind of be let down. So I decided to to stay home and in, in, in Ottawa, I was out of cottage and. You know, I got, got, got some great news the next day and, and couldn't have been any happier to go to Buffalo. How much of a hurdle was being like, because I, I, when I played, you're talking about how the game changed. I, I kind of was just during the time when like you almost, you know, being 5'8 was definitely an issue. I mean, was that an issue for you as far as, uh, you know, climbing the ladder of like, you know, every level? I think so. Um, Part of why I never thought I'd get drafted is probably because as a kid growing up, like everyone's telling you, hey, you're never going to make it. Oh, you're too small here. You're going to wait till peewee, wait till contact hockey. It was like every year there was something. And I felt like I always had a bit, pretty big chip on my shoulder to prove people that, yeah, I'm small, but I'm not just one of those small skill guys. Like I can play hard. I can play gritty. I can hit guys. I can go in corners. I can go in front of the net. You know, you're going to cross check me. I'll cross check you back. I felt like I always had that attitude, that personality. Play lacrosse as a kid, and and you know we'd go to Aquasasne and go to, you know down to Toronto and then play these rough teams in lacrosse. So I felt like playing hockey after was was, was kind of easy to be honest. Like physically, I never felt too intimidated on the ice. But every every step, every level away, like you always have your doubters, and you know at one point you just kind of get used to it, and and you don't even really pay attention to them anymore. So you start there in Buffalo, you're in Portland with the Pirates for a bit, then uh, you end up in Calgary. With the Heat in the AHL, Abbotsford, um, you know, you get 22 games in 2011, 2012 with Calgary, then back to Abbotsford, and then back up to Calgary. You were up and down a little bit uh, with them. Did how frustrating was that for you? Uh, and and how did you reconcile with? Uh, listen, I'm going to keep going here, and I'm going to make a place for myself. And, and play in the NHL. That up and down all the time. That can be a pain well, in the ass, right? You I think question the most, yourself. I think the most frustrating part, honestly, was probably living in the hotel. Um, 
it's like you look back how many days I spent living in the hotel. Uh, I couldn't even count one. You know, I can't even count like hundreds of days over those those years. Um, like I said, I had a young family, young, so that made it tough. But um, you know, I was a sixth round pick. I got traded to Calgary. Like nothing's ever given in the NHL. Like I wasn't frustrated by oh I can't make my place. Like it's it's hard to get to NHL. It's hard to to take a job. You know, every year the GM tells you, oh, yeah, there's spots open. And if you have a great camp, we'll make room. It's like, you know, there's 14, 15 guys on one-way contracts. They're all getting paid money. It's like, it's really hard to come in and steal a person's job. So I never felt frustrated by that. I always kind of took it as, well, these are always opportunities. Every call-up was an opportunity. And and you just got to convince the coach that that you're reliable, that he can count on you, that you can be great every day. And, And it took a while for me to do that, but... I never felt frustrated by it. I always felt like every time I got called up, like I, I believe that I could play in the NHL. Like I believe that I can get to that point one day and, and it's just gonna take the right person at the right time to to believe in me. You know, like how many teams had a five foot nine, hundred and sixty pound player playing fourth line? Like nobody. But to me it was like if you need me to play fourth line, I'll play fourth line. I can kill penalties, I can give you ten, eleven energy minutes a night guy gets hurt I can move up in the lineup or, or you need a couple momentum shifts after a goal whatever like I always felt like if I can do that for the team like it's going to take the right coach to, to to see that in me and and finally happened with Bob Hartley but before that you know uh it was tough playing for for Brent I think uh you know we had that old western mentality you need your big bruisers on the fourth line and I never felt like uh he had much confidence in me that that I could play as a, a bottom six player no, those are good points. I uh, it is. It's like it's hard. It's one thing to get there. It's another thing to stay there. At least for oh, yeah. guys like us. I remember in Winnipeg, I didn't get a like. I finally got like a letter in like mid December that was like, "You can get an apartment now." And I knew I was like yeah. staying for the year. Did when did you know? Was there a moment for you when you knew you were you're kind of here staying? Uh, I felt like for me it was probably the same as you when I got that kind of letter. Hey, you've made the team. Um. So the one year, the year before, um, I guess I, I, I broke my hand. So I play, it was the lockout year, 2012. I broke my hand in my first game being called up. It was like my first game playing center. I got to play with like a Ginla and, 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 and Chris Glencross or Tanga or something like that. And um, I got, you know, broken hand, high stick in the eye. Um, you know, I was hurt for, for eight weeks. I had to get a second surgery in my hand. Um, you know, Jay Bowmeister Bo- gets traded, Aginla gets traded, Kiprasov retires, so the team went into like this crazy fast rebuild right away. And then uh, the next year it felt like the team was like ready to move on from you. Like, oh yeah, you're 24, you've played four years, like we kind of know you're an up and down guy, we don't think you're an NHL player anymore. Um, this is our offer, take it or leave it, and if you don't take this deal in four or five days, like, you know, we'll, we're going to replace you essentially. I got a call to, to go play in Switzerland, uh, pretty good contract, uh, two-year deal, uh, more than I'd make in the NHL, and, and I had a tough decision to make. I called my American League coach. I, I kind of talked through all, talked through everything, and he said, just come play come play for me. Come come start the year. Um, there's 30 other teams watching watching you every night. Like, like I believe in you. You're going to be my best player. Come, come play for me. And I said, okay. I, I trusted him. Went out, I played 22 games in the American League, had a great start. They called me up to, to reward me for, for playing well, having a good attitude, all that stuff. But they told me, you're just going out west, you're, ne- you're never going to play, and, and we're going to send you down after the weekend. I was kind of like, okay, whatever. At least they're being honest, you know. Mm. And uh, we lose 5 nothing in Anaheim. We had that crazy Honda curse, couldn't win there for 25 years. Next night's in L.A., and, and, and 
Bob puts me in. I played, I think, five minutes that game, two and a half minutes on a, on a penalty kill and had an assist, and I never played another American Hockey League game. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and, you know, it's funny how that went. And I lived in the hotel probably 20, 20, 30 days. They don't count the road days. Then they, they, don't, they tell you, you know, you're going to stay in the hotel. So that second time they gave me that letter was probably like February by that point. That's when I finally like felt like, okay, like I think I made it now. But then you go into summer, the, the Flames didn't qualify me. I was a free agent and, and one of the teams interested in me was actually Montreal. They offered me a two-way deal and, and, and Calgary had a one-year, uh, one-way deal. So I took, uh, I took the Calgary offer and, and even going into that camp, it was like, I felt like I was on the team, but like, I feel like they did everything to kind of show me that, hey, yeah, your spot's not secured. You're like, you better be ready to play. And, you know, luckily I was, and, and, and that was it. I never never went down again. So you played those two years, 2013-14, uh, 2014-15, Calgary. <clears throat> then they wave you. Um, and you talk about a coach believing in you that you can help a team. You come to Montreal. Um, how long did it take you? to convince, who was the coach, was it Terrian? Yeah, Michelle Terrian. Yeah, Michelle. How long did it take you to convince him to believe in you as a player? Honestly, I don't think it took very long. Um, I think he had a pretty good relationship with Bob Hartley. I think they talked. I think he kind of knew what he was getting. Um, but, you know, you got to prove it firsthand. And I'd say the best thing that happened to me coming to Montreal was we started the year on like a nine nine-game win streak or something like that. I remember and, that. And instead of being like forced to play right away and, and having to like kind of prove it right away, it gave me like two, three weeks of practice time to get comfortable with, you know, our system here it was a bit different, get comfortable with the guys, um, get more reps in, get to practice. Like that summer before I had, I had the big wrist surgery. So I didn't start skating until, you know, September 11th. I had a, a pretty big screw on my wrist and, and, you know, I had the hernia surgery. So that time gave me a lot of opportunity to, to prove to him day in, day in practice that, you know, I'm, I'm, I compete every day. I'm ready to play every day. You know, snap a finger, you put me out there. And, you know, maybe maybe a few games of the year, I felt like he started trusting me right away. He, he, he wasn't shy to, to move guys up and down the lineup. He used to juggle like crazy. He had these hunches that he could watch a guy in warm-up or watch him in morning skate, and he knew right away. He knew if you were going to have a good game, a bad game. And for me, that played into my favor. Like, I got a lot of good opportunity with him. And uh, I, I was super lucky to get to go from uh, from him to Bob and and. and you know, being that third, fourth line guy and, and, and at the snap of finger third period, I need two shifts. And, and you know, that was enough for me to just go out there and, and do something for the team. And, uh, you know, it, it was pretty cool. Well, uh, certainly Michelle um, coaching here, he had his uh, <laughs> he had his good times. He had his bad times, no question about it. Um, and, and playing for him and, and playing for all these different coaches, um, and you haven't approved yourself, no question. You get here and you do it. Um, what, uh, I guess, what was the biggest surprise for you when you came here to Montreal? What's the biggest thing you had to kind of deal with? You know, Calgary, smaller town, great city and all that, but coming to MTL, uh, it's a little bit different. What was the challenge for you coming here? Um, probably just dealing with how big the Canadians are. It's like, you hear about stuff, like you know about the media coverage, you, you know about the double language stuff, but um, in Calgary, fourth line guy, there was no car deal. 
you could go to the grocery store. Nobody knew who you were. Like you'd go to a Fourth line guy, no oh, card. Yeah. No, no card. You'd go to season ticket holder stuff and, and the big events and like some of these oil and gas guys are, are making double, triple what you'd make in the NHL. And and yeah, it just felt like everyone at the time in Calgary was making good money and, and being a Calgary flame was, was you know, it, it was fun. It was good, it was great city, great fans, but it wasn't Montreal. Like that first night I got to Montreal, I went to Coup de Cheval had a steak, sat at the bar, and it's like the bartender knew exactly who I was. He knew my stats. He knew I came from Calgary, and I was like, whoa, this is different. Like, I haven't even played a game yet. Like, how does this guy know who I am, you know? And everywhere you go, like, people recognize you. Every Like, you have to be, like, you have to be cognizant of, of everything going on around you. Everyone knows who you are. I mean, you're representing the Montreal Canadiens, and um, it, it, it took a little while to get adjusted to that, I'd say. You yeah, go to your right. media scrum, and, and there's not just 10 people, 15 people anymore. It's like, feels like hundreds of people, and it's like there's like the English group, the French group, then you have, you know, the the big media, and then you have all these side media, and it's it's it just feels like it never ends here. So that, that took a, a little bit of an adjustment period. Yeah, I was going to say try playing in Atlanta. You could hear like a guy yeah. coughing, <laughs> a guy sneezing in section 300. And then we went to, then we went to Winnipeg, the same thing though, but it was just like, then you get to Winnipeg and everyone's just, you couldn't go to the grocery store, but that's pretty cool. It's a, definitely a good, a, a good change for sure. So Polly, um, you know, one of the things early in my career, I remember um, <clears throat> I was having a tough time. And one of the things I noticed about you is your attitude. You got a great attitude. You've always um, portrayed that watching you on the ice, on the bench, whatever. I <clears throat> I remember my first year, I had had a couple fights. I was having a tough day, and the coach skated me into practice. Next day I came into practice, um, I was pissed, and I wanted everybody to know I was pissed. I had a bad attitude. And I remember skating around, Bob Ganey, the captain, and, and thank God for his leadership and his friendship, but he came up to me and said, what the fuck are you doing? I said, I'm fucking pissed at him. He skated my balls off yesterday. I had three fights the night before, and my body's killing me. Can he recognize that? He said, listen, you're going to have these times, but lose a fucking attitude because, Chris, you don't understand how it's affecting other people out here. you got to understand that. And he told me that I, I kind of bit my lip on it, and uh, he took me out for a beer afterwards. <clears throat> and we had a long talk, which helped me immensely. So attitude, where does that, because again, you, attitude, it does go through other people. You have that negative attitude, it just affects everybody else. But where's that attitude come from, that mental toughness, you know, not being that biggest guy, uh, where does that come from? Well, it's like that, that kind of like, I'd say that that mental toughness, like that that attitude side, I'd say I always had that. Like I, like I said, I had that chip on my shoulder, the being a good teammate and, and all that stuff. Like, I feel like that really kind of changed in junior. Um, you know, I wasn't drafted to the queue. I wasn't, I wasn't nobody. And I felt like every single year, like, if you step out of line in junior, like, it, my coach didn't care who, how good you are. He didn't care who you were. He would trade you the worst spot in the world just to send you a message, you know, and to be like... You know, like, this is not acceptable. And, and he kept me kind of on my toes every single day. Like, he held me accountable every single day so that by the time I got to, to the pro-level American League, same thing. Like, you're you're a nobody. Like, they can send you to the East Coast. They can terminate your deal. 
like I felt like I was never in a place that I could be any other way, you know, like I always wanted to be the you know, best version of myself and, and, and get to the NHL. And like, I just didn't want to screw it up by having a, you know, a shitty attitude. So I have to give credit. I'd probably say to my, my junior coach, Ben grew and, 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 you know, he made me kind of the person that the player I was. And, you know, it was super important to have that kind of coaching in junior, because I think it's easy once you get drafted, you're a good player, you're putting up the points. It's easy to start having a bad attitude, but you know, it's so trivial compared to, to the NHL, you know, like just cause you're good in junior doesn't mean anything. Like, you know, like there's so many steps you have to go. There's so many good players you have to pass. And just because you get a, a cup of coffee in the NHL doesn't mean anything. You know, like every single day you have to prove yourself. Every single day there's someone who wants to take your job. It's like I said, it's hard getting in the NHL and it's hard staying. Like the pressure to win, the pressure of draft picks, the pressure of free agents, pressure of everything, just it comes at you every single day. And if you're not ready to, to step up and work every day, then... You know, it's it's probably not the league for you. Clearly, you, yeah, clearly you led by example. Um, did you ever see yourself becoming one of the captains of the Canadians? And what did that mean to you? I mean, it meant a lot. Uh, did I ever see it? Like, to be honest, probably not, no. Um, I always felt like I, I, I had that kind of, you know, going to the fight and, and, you know, I brought my work boots every day. But to think, hey, you're going to be an assistant captain of the Montreal Canadiens, I mean... Like I said, I, I never would have thought that um, when 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 Burge and, and and Claude called me in and told me, I was like blown away. Like I did not, I thought I was getting in a meet, I thought I was getting in a meeting, I was getting in trouble or something, you know? Like, oh my God, I'm getting called down to the coach's office. This is this yeah. is big. Like, oh, what did I do, you know? So um, it was a pretty special moment for me, and 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 to wear a letter for fears here and 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 be you know leader under Shea was was amazing. Yeah, it's funny uh, <clears throat> to to have that responsibility, and you obviously showed that uh, you were capable of handling that, uh, and certainly leading by example the way you played in the ice. It's funny. One year when I was in New York, Michelle Bergeron was a coach. He came in exhibition season. He came in the room. I come in to get ready for the game, and there's <clears throat> my jersey hanging up, and it has a C on it. And I said, what are you doing? I, he said, you're captain tonight. I said, I don't want to be captain. Okay, I don't want to be captain tonight. Don't do that to me. Just let, no, you're a captain. That is it. You're going to be captain tonight. I said, no, I don't want it. He said, well, you too bad. So I go in the game and certainly something happens right off the hop. I end up in a scrum with someone. And then I get the extra two minutes and Rob Schick was the referee. And I get in an argument with, I told him to fuck off. He kicks me out of the game. <laughs> so Bergie comes in after the, he comes in afterwards. He said, "What the fuck? I make you captain and you get kicked out the game first period." I said, "I fucking told you I don't want to be captain." And he, it, it's just listen. It comes with an enormous amount of responsibility, and not that I, I couldn't handle it. I just didn't. Come on, a guy who's fighting all the time to be a captain or a set. I just didn't think it was good for the team, to be honest. And I convinced them that night. So I never had it again. I'm glad I didn't. But it's certainly a credit to you and uh, your personality and, and who you are as a player. Um, so your time here with the Habs, and I look, one of the things you had to deal with uh, certainly a lot is injuries during your career, not being the biggest guy and playing a tough game, not a turn-the-other-cheek game. Um, you had two seasons, 81 games, 82 scored 20 goals both season. Awesome. 
Um, and then it kind of tails off. You started getting some injuries that wear and tear. Um, how, how difficult always having a bond. You'd feel like you're getting there. Um, you, you made your, after those two seasons, come on, you, you, you must've felt like, listen, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. And then dealing with the injuries. How difficult was that on you mentally? Uh, it was really hard, honestly. Um, you know, people always assume like the physical side of the injuries is what's hard, but I think it's the mental side that makes it uh, really, really challenging. Especially when uh, you're coming back and you get hurt again, it's like going through the rehabs, going through that mental grind of, of trying to catch up to everybody, um, going through like hot and cold streaks. You know, like when you get to play 80 games, like hot and cold streaks, they come and go and they kind of even out. Like when you miss 20, 30 games and it takes you five games to get back into the rhythm and then something happens or, or you're just fighting it every night, it, it, it's really challenging. It's hard mentally because you want to be the best version of yourself. You want to be healthy. You want to help your team. You want to be on the ice. Like, you know, it, it would kill me watching the games in the press box or, or down in the dressing room and, and, and seeing our team lose by a goal or, you know, uh, seeing something on the ice and you're like, man, like if only I was out there, like it, it sucks. Like it sucks missing games. Like you hate it. And, and, you know, uh, I, I was pretty lucky to, to have those few years of, of being injury free, but you know, I, I, had the sports ring in Calgary. I, I that's probably when I, I initially hurt my hip when I was 24, 25, and when when I you know hurt my knee and then and then other stuff in my body started to go. All that compensation finally caught up to me. It was uh, it was really hard. Like the COVID years were hard. The travel was always hard. You'd wake up and you'd be so sore after games some days, and and you got to go back to work. You got to go to practice, and then you don't don't always want to do that. Like you just want to sleep, no. you want to rest, recover, but you know you have to practice to be good. It's like it, you know you're getting torn by by two sides. You know it's it was challenging a lot of days. Like you wake up and you know you you, you take a couple Advil and and you just got to go out there and, and 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 go back to work. But you know it was it was challenging. It was really challenging. This episode's brought to you by BetterHelp. We all know how easy it is to get swept up in the fast pace of life. So much so that we forget about ourselves. It happened to me. And most of you know I've battled addiction and have been clean and sober for years. I thought I could confront these issues on my own. I couldn't. I've become a big believer in the positive impact of therapy. It helped me to learn positive coping skills and how to set healthy boundaries. It actually empowered me to be the best version of myself. So if you're thinking, of starting therapy, I suggest BetterHelp. It's entirely online, it's convenient, flexible, and you can arrange everything to fit your own schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And quite frankly, I wish BetterHelp was around when I was looking for help. It's so easy and flexible. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash rawknuckles today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ron Knuckles. If you could look back on, you know, all your years in hockey, pro hockey, what was probably the most challenging moment for you and how did you overcome that? Um, I don't know. Most challenging moments? Um... 
I think the, I mean, the waivers one was big, but that kind of fixed itself up the next day. I'd say that whole day, that 24 hour process was, was mentally one of the, one of the hardest. Um, then at the end, I'd say like that COVID year, I think we just signed Cole. I was at a point like I could barely walk. Like I, I, yeah. I'd play a game and like, I, I, I couldn't even go to bed after games. Like it was like my, the pain was so bad in your hip. Like, it was like, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't move. Every time I twisted and turned, I was waking up all night. So then you'd wake up, you'd sleep like three hours. And, and, and like, you know, it was hard to practice. Like, it was hard to just get yourself in the position to practice because you just felt so bad. Um, when 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 we finally, I think it was the one of the last games in Calgary, like, I, I just, I said, like, I you know, almost broke down in tears to the trainer. Like, I, I can't. Like, I just can't anymore. Like, and... Wow. and you know, we were lucky we had Cole, we had this young kid full of energy. I'm like watching him just fucking go down on Charlie and snipe on him top corner. And I'm like, God damn, like you got to get this guy in the lineup. Like, yeah. like this guy's going to help you right now, you know? And, and so that, that kind of made it easier having him there. We could go in and then just step in and help the team win. Like it took him a couple of games, but once that kid started scoring, man, he was incredible. And then the playoffs, uh, you're only, you're playing the Leafs. You know, I, I got an injection done right before playoffs. The first game or two, I felt pretty good. Then then that stuff wears off so fast. It's like every every game from that point on, you're just kind of in a, well, this is do or die. Just got to do it one more time. Just got to do it one more time. Just got to do it one more time. And as the playoffs went on, I'd say mentally it got easier because now now it's like you're not just fighting, uh, you know, game five against Leafs, game six. Now it's like, oh, my God, we're in the conference finals. Oh, my God, we're in the Stanley Cup finals. You're not even thinking about your hip anymore. It's just, yeah, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was one of the highs of the, of the moment. But I'd say that whole year mentally getting ready to, to, to play every day was, 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 was really tough. Yeah, I can certainly. So did you score that goal from your knees, that. that breakaway? You were injured? Well, that game I felt pretty good because I'd, <laughs> I'd just done the, the hip injury. It hadn't worn off yet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I hadn't worn off yet, so I, I had some extra jump in that game, yeah. That goal was amazing. Amazing. Yeah, there's no question about it. That goal is amazing, and what a huge goal for this team. Like, going into the playoffs, let's face it, that year going into the playoffs, Paul, you couldn't have been all that confident as a group, right? I mean, what was that – what was the feeling like? You know you're going – you're playing Toronto, 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 Toronto. And then you get in the hole three one. Yeah, I get it. The, the overtime goal make it three two. But when when do you think it changed the, that mindset in that room? That hey, listen, you know, people better start to take us seriously because we're on a roll here. Uh, I, I honestly like. I know people didn't have much confidence in us on the outside. They didn't. But I think as a team, we had a lot. Like I felt like we just had to get to the playoffs. Like, we had the best goalie in the world. We had four big defense, three of them mean as hell. And then Jeff was a great complimentary D. We had, you know, Corey Perry on the fourth line. I mean, we had me and Lekkinen playing third and fourth line. Our first line was, like, a great defensive line that could score. Um, we had, you know, Cole and well, – well, Cole came later. We had Nick on our second line, was a great young center. So, as a team, I felt like we had a lot of good players. And and our team was kind of built to play a playoff hockey, but the hardest part was getting there. Like we had a hard time getting there, and and we barely snuck into the playoffs. So I know people didn't really like our chances. Toronto had a great regular season. First game, uh, it was a weird game with with Tavares getting hurt, and and you know we we, we snuck a win out there, and then we go down three one. 
but it felt like when we when we were losing like we were kind of like just slowly kind of physically wearing them down a little bit and then for us it was like we just got to win game five we go back to montreal they're finally letting i think it was 2500 fans or 5000 fans in. we're like if we get to montreal we're winning the series right we kind of knew that toronto had the seeds of doubt we knew that they lacked confidence and and that game five, that closeout game, you could sense like the pressure was on them, and and, and they just felt different. So when 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 Nick scored that overtime goal, we knew, like we knew we're we're winning game we're winning game six, and then when we won game six, it was like the series was done. Like the game seven was was a weird game. Like we just knew we had won the game already. It was like the mental part was 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 done, and and. Um, then, then from there, we just went on a, a crazy run because it, like, it gave our team so much confidence going forward. It was like, wow, we figured out how we need to win. We figured out what everyone needs to do, and everything just kind of fell into place at the right time. Do you have any preference? And I know I always say it. The home team has all the pressure. The, the visiting team um, – certainly has nothing to lose. And in that series, going in there, game seven, you said you knew you're going to win. You still have to put it there, and you don't know what you're going to face when you get there. But would you rather play game seven on the road or at home? Um, I think there is more pressure on the home team. Like, I think as the road team, it doesn't matter how you do it. You just got to do it. But at home, it feels like you got to kind of please the crowd right like yeah it feels like the expectation especially if you're the home team you're the favorite to win the series like like how can you lose game seven at home and i feel like that kind of plays in that pressure part and, and we talked a little bit with carrie carrie had played i think game seven against boston i think he'd won the game seven and, and that's what he said was it felt easier like there's way less pressure on you uh, being the road team like you could just play a simple game and you know it's it, it definitely worked in our favor it's funny, Ray Bork, we had him on, and he, Ray said, I, I mentioned about Game 7s, I'd much rather be on the road game. He said, not me, I'd rather be at home. I said, I just think the pressure. And you see so many Game 7s go the other way uh, on teams that are playing at home. And Anyway, yeah, it was awesome. So you move on, you go to Winnipeg, and God, you sweep Winnipeg. I want to okay. know what you thought about that hit. Shifley on Evans. Now, I heard his... I wish the guy, to be honest with you, I wish he just owned up to what he did. He said he was trying to stop a goal. He was trying to – believe me, I would have done the same thing. I remember playing against the Bruins. If I saw Ken Linsman coming around the net like that, yeah. I'd want to clean his clock. And I, I wouldn't care. And back then, it wouldn't have been a problem. Hmm. It was a problem now. But what did you think of that hit? How, Like, it was dirty. I mean, no doubt it was dirty. I mean – you played the game. We've all played the mm. game. Like, there's no way you're trying to prevent a goal. Yeah. Like, you're you're it's playoff hockey, and you're trying to hit, and you hit the hurt, and it's like, that's what playoff hockey is. Like, I know people might not really like it, but like when you go down three, four, five, one, and the game is kind of over, out comes the lumber, man. Like, it's yeah. cross checks. You every you finish every check. Like, the game's not over. If that makes sense, the score might say it's over. But every chance you have to hit a guy, you're hitting them. Every time a guy skates by, you're giving a whack because if you take a penalty, it doesn't really matter. You'll, you know, you kill the penalty, but you wanna, you wanna wear the team down. You wanna physically, you know, beat them up a bit. And 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 he was a little bit frustrated that game. I think our, our big D got to him. They were playing him hard. They were whacking him, cross checking him. Every time he touched the puck, 
we were on him, and, and you, you could sense the frustration in his game. And and when when Jake rounded the net, it's there's no way that he wasn't trying to hit to hurt. And and you know, like you said, he should have just owned up to it. And and I don't think he's a bad person or a dirty player by any means. Like he's played in the league a long time. Like I don't think he's done stuff like that ever before. But at the end of the day, you have to, have to take accountability for your hit. And we were all pretty pretty pissed by the hit. But the best way we could uh, avenge Jake wasn't by by beating up Mark. It was. You know what? You're gonna you're gonna watch every every game as your team loses, and it motivated us like hell to, to go out there and, and and win every game and not let that guy a chance to get back in the series. What what do you uh, being a Winnipeg guy? Can you Montreal? <laughs> like, I get it what you're saying, but I'm gonna. What is he supposed to say? What like in the you know what I mean? Like if they ask him like, oh, I was trying to decapitate him, or like, what do you mean own up? And I'm like I said, I'm not. I'm just you asking well, me a question. Yeah, both you of you. Asking yeah, me? Well, either one. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean you could say like, no, like, like you know, I, I made a dangerous hit, and and in the moment, you know, it's playoff yeah. hockey, and and I wanted to yeah. finish a check. That wasn't really my intention to hurt him like that, but you know, it's 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 the playoffs. Like you know, we were playing hard, and you know, unfortunately, like I crossed the line, and and. You know, just take acceptance for your hit, right? Like, I, I don't know what else you need to say. Like, oh, it's good. It's think, well said, right there. I was just like, yeah, no, like his good. stick. I think might have been in the air. It's like he stops, like he charges down. Like he could have poke checked. He could have dove. Yeah. Like, in my head, there's five, six other things he probably could have done if he actually was trying to play the puck. So, you know, you weren't trying to play the puck. Just, just admit it. You know, I get it. Like maybe it makes you seem more <laughs> guilty, but at that point, it's like. You know, the anvil's already down. Like, George's already made his ruling. Like, he had his four-game suspension. It's like, there's not much you can do to alter that, I don't think. Yeah. Well, Paul just answered for me, Tim. Okay? <laughs> yeah, sorry. And I'll tell you, the reason why I say that is because back in the day, I had a fight with Paul Baxter on the ice. He turtled on me. He was telling – he cut me with a stick early in the game. And uh, I got in the penalty box. And he said, I'm going to get you in the other eye. And he was yapping. And I had ripped his helmet off when, when I was trying to fight him. And I leaned down and I grabbed the puck out of the, bu- uh, puck, uh, the bucket of frozen pucks. I stood up and I rifled it right off his head. Okay. <laughs> he went down. I cut him for 10 stitches, cut him open. And, you know, what am I going to say? They bring me into Brian O'Neill. What am I going to say? I was throwing the puck to a fan. <laughs> You know, I rifled it right off his head. So I told the truth. I said I was pissed. He told me he's going to give me the stick in the other eye, and I got pissed off, and I threw the puck at him. I got two games suspended for that. Now I'd be uh, under arrest. I'd probably still be in jail. But anyway, um, so, yeah, that that playoff run was incredible. What a feeling after, you know, you know, going through all the injuries, everything, and then, you, you get through Winnipeg, and then you're going to go up against a big team, too, a team that's built for the playoffs. And, again, Habs had solid D, big D, that could handle a lot of that. But, boy, I, I was wondering how you guys were going to get through them. And then you get through Vegas. I was like, are you kidding me? So that confidence you built as a team, and now you're going to go up against the Stanley Cup champs um, in, in Tampa Bay what was the feeling like going to Stanley Cup final? Because to get there is one thing, but to win it's another. How was the, how was the team feeling going up against Tampa? I mean, we were feeling good. Um, like, we are on such a high from, from beating Vegas. It's like you're not thinking any other way than, you know, we, we can do this again. Like, it's four more wins, that's it. Um, 
know, obviously Tampa had a, a great goalie that can match up against Carey. They had great decor. They they had you know elite players. Like we knew it was going to be a tough challenge for us, but you know we we were confident in that series. And and you know it, even when I replay the series again, it's like that game two in Tampa. I think we 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 outplayed them. I think every metric would say we outplayed them, and and that was the game. I think Coleman scored like that diving goal with like two yeah. three seconds left in the second period, and it felt like they stole that game. And it's like, if you just win game two, then it's even, we split Montreal, they win in Tampa, then it, you know, it goes game six in Montreal. And, you know, it's like Stanley Cup finals, game six in Montreal, would, would the government have let us get more fans than, than 7,000, you know, would we have packed yeah. it? Um, but it just felt like maybe there was no way we would, we would have lost game six. And then you go to game seven on the road, but you know, you can't live in hindsight. You can't play like that, but that was the game where I'd say like <clears throat> stealing that game for Tampa, I think won them the series, right? Cause, cause after that, they, they, they played a great game three. They dominated us. They won that one. Then we had the big overtime win in, in game four, but game five in Tampa, they won one, nothing. Like it's like they scored that one goal and it's like, they just held on for dear life. Like they just played defense. Like I've never seen a team play defense before. Hmm. It's, it was crazy. Like they're all pretty big. They, they, you know, and, and that's the experience of knowing how to win. They locked it down. They played everything perfect. They played it safe. They protected. We had no secondary chances. It was hard getting in the zone. Like, they were kind of trapping the blue line so tight. And, you know, again, if we could have just got one goal at that game five and gone to overtime, like, maybe maybe we could have, you know, snuck out a win. But I guess it just wasn't meant to be. But before the series, like, we, you know, we were confident that, that we could get the job done. And, you know, with the history of the team, being the underdog, the Montreal Canadiens, I felt like, is this going to be another chapter of the Canadiens' history? Are we going to be that team that, you know, was like 86 or 93, was a team that wasn't supposed to win and, and pulled it through? There was no reason not to believe that. Yeah, no question. And uh, it's unfortunate it didn't work out, but to get there, uh, it was an incredible ride. It's great to experience that. And again, I... I look at back in 86, you mentioned it, and we went on this run. And I, I got to tell you, uh, I can't imagine, honestly, now looking back, that we went that far and not won the Stanley Cup. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'd still be questioning myself today. What could we have done different when I think about it? Because, you know, we got there, and after winning it, my thinking – uh, we'll get back there next year, but it's so goddamn hard. People, <laughs> I don't think people understand just how difficult it is to to ha get a team to, you know, go the distance and then win it. It's it's extremely to me. It's the hottest trophy in sports to win. I think so. Um, mm -hmm. You have to go through four game seven seven game series to win the cup and. Every team loads up the trade deadline. Like I don't know if you really see that in other sports. Teams really loading up and building their team like that. Um, the grueling schedule, 82 games, and then 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 the playoffs. And and we all know playoff hockey is different. It's tougher. It's more physical. It's hard. It's a hard trophy to win. And and like I think a lot of guys like looking back now, like we were we were in a low. Like we were in a depression maybe. Like I I know I certainly was. It's it's like you you dream your whole life about that moment. You dream your whole life about winning the cup and, and, and hockey, you know, you play, I was 30, 33, I guess. It's like you play 13 years pro. It was like my eighth or ninth year in the NHL. And it's like, I hadn't really had any success in the playoffs, but you know, like 
was this it? Was that my only chance to win the cup? And 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 it's gone. And then normally the playoffs would end like the first week of June, kind of. You have a little bit more time to prepare. Uh, finishing like mid July, and then having to like just jump back into the season like that was really really hard. It's like you had no time to kind of even grasp what had happened, no time to kind of get over it and, and move on. It was like, what do I do? Like, you got to recover and boom, get get back to training, get back to being on the ice. Like, training camp was in six weeks. Like, it was, it was really tough mentally, and you could see that in the team. You could see that we just weren't the same to start the year, and guys were, were, were mentally just exhausted from the year before. And, and, and when you're not 100% there mentally, the game is very, very difficult. If you're like me and you're going to play some golf this summer, you have to check out this hidden gem. Windmill Heights sits atop the beautiful hills in Notre Dame de Ile Perot. They have affordable rates and they offer customized membership opportunities for all levels. If you want to book a tee time, call 514-453-7177. Hit them straight. If you love your pet like I love my St. Bernard Adele, you'll want to feed them a balanced, biologically appropriate raw diet. The reason I've chosen Formula Raw is because all blends of their food are locally sourced and they consist of exclusively human-grade meat and organs, as well as fruits and vegetables. And all products used are hormone and antibiotic-free. So like I said, if you love your pet like I love Adele, you'll choose Formula Raw. Make sure you go to FormulaRaw.com and use the promo code RAWNUX at checkout. To receive 10% off your first order. That's Raw Nux. R-A-W-K-N-U-X. So, um, certainly the coach uh, of that team, uh, no longer, Dominic Duchamp, no longer coaching uh, in the NHL. <clears throat> uh, Marty St. Louis comes in, and uh, you being a, a veteran. What was that like? Because, you know, I when I got here, in Montreal, they won four cups in a row. They were going for number five, and it was a team in transition. And, you know, it was, I guess it was good for me coming in, <clears throat> but, you know, it was a little frustrating for some. We had Larry and Bob Ganey that were seeing all these superstar teammates and Ken Dryden and Lemire leaving and this one leaving and that one leaving. So that dynasty team was kind of being disassembled. And, this new blood was coming in. That was great for me. For them, it was a little difficult. But looking at what's going on here now, and you having a part of um, being a part of, you know, some good teams here, no question, having some good seasons, but never quite getting there. Then you get to the final. And now it looks new general manager comes in, Gordon, Hughes are both here now. Uh, Marty comes in as coach. Um, how um, how promising does it look moving forward, one? And then, two, being through that, you know, seeing all this new young blood come in and, and, and knowing that, geez, you know, this organization, this team is going in a different direction. How yeah, is that um, for you? I think it's really encouraging. Um, like, coming off the cup finals, like, I think, you know – having the start to the year we did. And, and like I talked about the lows, it was like, 
it felt good to get new people and new energy in the building. Like I felt like everyone top to bottom, like you could probably interview everyone separately and, and people have no idea like what that COVID year was like, like the sacrifice we all made for that year, that run, having to like kind of live in isolation all year away from kind of the public getting tested every day, your family getting tested. Like you're in the playoffs, the pressure of like, are you going to be the guy that like ruins your team's chance of winning the cup or something, you know, like just, it was mentally like exhausting for everybody. And, and we've had staff that ended up leaving because of that. And then people taking leaves of absence, you know, for, for, you know, uh, for burnout and stuff. So to, to have Marty come in and, and bring that like fresh energy, like it was really great for the room. Adding Ken and Jeff, like, I think, you know, having that duo, the team together, one guy taking care of one part and, and Ken taking care of the hockey. Like, I think it's really, really optimistic here in Montreal. We have a great, great young core, great young players and in, in, inside the organization already. You know, we, we have Caden, we have Arbor, we have, you know, Harris and, we just drafted Ryanbacker, we got Cole, we got Nick, we got Slaff. It's like, man, like, in my mind, like, it shouldn't be too long before a team is, is really good, really competitive. And I think this is a big year for the team. Um, you know, there's no expectations, obviously, from the outside. But at a certain point, like, you have to, you know, kind of get sick of losing. You have to kind of want to start winning. And, and, and this is a big year for, for the young core to kind of take the reins and, and really push. And, and you know what? It wouldn't surprise me to see them get close this year. You know, I hope they make the playoffs. That, that should be your goal every single year. But no one expects that team to go to the playoffs. And and that's kind of like the perfect storm for, for the young guys to, to, to maybe prove a lot of people wrong, kind of like we did in Calgary. But to me, there's 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 kind of pieces almost everywhere in the organization you want for, for, for building your core of the future. You know, we, we, we drafted Dave to, to, to be a, a number one defenseman. We have Caden. We like I said, we got this great young nucleus of decor, and and to me, that's how you win the playoffs. Like ha having the goals, the scoring, that's all great, but to win in the playoffs, great defense makes the rest of the team better. It makes your goalie better, it makes your forwards better. You you end up defending less as a team, and and that's how the team's being built right now. And I think half Ben should be really excited. It's uh, it's in good hands right now. I was just thinking, like when you said you get tested every day. During the COVID Every day thing? back in COVID. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Wow. It was horrible. Jeez. Yeah, what would you do? You what would you do in COVID? Like, you didn't need at the hotel. Would you guys just play video games or just hang out? Or uh, well, like, we had, we'd had, like, uh, those kind of big meeting rooms. Those were the only rooms you were allowed to hang out in. Um, <laughs> other than that, like, you, you had to be, like, in your own room, isolation. Like, you weren't allowed to go eat. So, like, you could Uber Eats or whatever your food in. But... It was, it was hard. Mentally, it was hard. Like, the U.S., it was like, ah, COVID's not happening. And then you go to Montreal, it's a Saturday night game. You leave the Bell Center, and it looks like the Walking Dead outside. You know, it's a Saturday night, and there's not a car in the street. It, it was like, it was weird. Like, it was just weird. There's no fans. It was It was hard getting up for the games. It was hard when you're... You know, when you're tired you're, or, or, or mentally, you know, you traveled and you got to kind of... The fans pick you up sometimes. Like, oh, you really? make that big hit or you get that goal and it's like, oh, yeah, you got the energy, you got the juices flowing. There was none of that. Like, it was it was a tough year and, yeah, it was uh, it was, it was draining. It was draining. But at the, at the same time, I think it let the new guys come on the team and, and really get acclimated to everybody. Like, 
we didn't travel after games like we like we used to and go to new cities. You'd stay in Vancouver, you'd play your three games. You'd stay in Calgary, you'd play your three games. You'd go to Edmonton, so it's like all those nights you end up in the hotel, all hanging out together, have a couple beers, and kind of made our team uh, grow really close together. We had some fun nights there, and you just do your best to, to make the most of it. But, yeah, you're locked in the hotel. It was kind of like white-collar jail. <laughs> yeah. I, listen, we did it in the playoffs back in the day. That 86, we would stay in a hotel uh, the day before the game, all that. And we felt like we were like, <laughs> you know, what the hell are you doing to us? And yeah. I actually liked it. I didn't mind the night before the game. We weren't locked in the whole time. So I could only imagine how difficult it was. I remember going in. I went to a couple games. And just the atmosphere, the Canadians certainly – they try to, to really spice up the yeah. atmosphere. And s- s- during that Vegas series, I yeah. remember going in, you know, the, the blunder that um, the goaltender made and you guys end up taking advantage and, and, and winning that game. I was at that game. But I think the Canadians did one hell of a job of really trying to pipe the noise yeah. in there for you guys. How difficult? Like, listen, you got to focus. You got to get ready to play yourself. But – Without that crowd interaction, how 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 difficult was that? It, it was crazy. hard. It was hard. Um, like rewinding to like the summer before, we had like the playoff bubble in the hotel. That was hard because yeah. the first exhibition game against Toronto before we started against Pittsburgh, it was like they didn't have the fake crowd noise. They didn't have anything, <laughs> and it was just dead. It was like yeah. two teams out there for a practice no emotion no atmosphere no energy like just a dead game and i remember thinking like this is gonna be the worst playoffs ever like it just didn't have that emotion and then sure enough you get 20 competitive people all trying to kill each other and 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 and, you know we know what's on the line like i think the hockey ended up being pretty good actually but it was hard it was hard you you couldn't uh couldn't really feed off the crowd you had to find ways to to feed yourself uh through your teammates, energy on the bench, kind of just getting in the game, being in the game, and yeah, yeah, it was weird. That, that like you said though, the team, the team did a great job against Vegas. It felt like the first two series, like when Game Six, Toronto came. I think we were allowed five thousand fans. Like that was a huge boost because to go from <laughs> zero all year to getting just that amount of people and have fans are passionate, especially against the Leafs. Like it was a huge boost. Yeah. Then, then it was a bit more against Winnipeg. Then it was a bit more against against Vegas, and they did a really good job with the sound, the lighting. So it, it felt a lot fuller than what it was, but compared to what we were used to all year, like it was great. That sounds and, awful. And it Just was. hearing the coach all game like skate. Yeah. <laughs> you could hear it. You could hear it. Like, you know, like... like it was super weird. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. How about? And I hope you don't mind me asking, but I want I want to ask. Um, what that was like for you when they come in and say you have to be vaccinated or you're going to lose your job? Well, I'm, I, I'm curious, one, how, how you felt about that. Two, if you weren't playing hockey, would, that have, would you have done something different? Um, well, at the time for us, it was like you either do it or you don't play in the playoffs. So right. like as a hockey player, it's just like you didn't even think twice. You just do it. Um, our second vaccination was right, right, like three days before we left to go to Las Vegas, or a week before. I forget what it was because we had swept Winnipeg. I don't know what the timing was, but 
listen, like I was getting hip injections, like here, take, take this Celebrex for, for three months straight here, do this. Like you do everything you can to play the game. Like you're not going to not play the game for a vaccination, you know? So you didn't even think about it. So then by then you were just done. The guys who didn't play in the playoffs or the, the players play on teams that didn't, like they're obviously were in a different mindset than the rest of us. If I wasn't in the NHL as just a regular person, would I have done stuff differently? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I felt mm-hmm. like in Quebec, like you didn't really have a choice. Like they made life really, really tough if you didn't, you know? Like if you wanted to do anything, you had to get vaccinated. So... You know, you didn't, like, if you live in the U.S., maybe, maybe, maybe I wouldn't have done it. Like, I don't know. But here in Canada, like, there there was no real choice on it. And, you know, uh, it's still, like, I, I mean, at the end of the day, like, you talk with the doctors. I was on the PA calls with, with uh, you know, Isaac Bogosh, the, 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 the head of the, uh, you know, the, the disease stuff. And all these people go to school for, for 15, 20, 30 years. They dedicate their whole life studying this stuff. And. Me, I'm just a hockey player. Yeah. I was trusting the doctors that, that they were giving me the best information possible. And, and like I do getting a, a medical report or like I do before a surgery for an opinion, you trust that, that they're telling you the truth. And, and I'm pretty confident in, in, in what they told me. And I don't, okay. I don't think twice about it. Cool. Um, so you, you finish the finals you come back you have a difficult time last season obviously with injuries um uh, it looks as though well you don't have a contract um you, you you know you've talked about wanting to stay with this organization and quite frankly i see a lot of guys who retire from hockey that want to stay in hockey work in hockey uh i certainly think you're one that <laughs> deserves that and yeah, would not not so much deserves it, but someone who can make a difference with younger players. There's no question about it in my mind. You know, I've heard you speak in front of the rookies. Um, you set a great example. You had some great words. You talked about doing everything. You'll do anything from, you know, kill a penalty to sit on the bench to, you know, pass out water bottles, whatever. I love what you said to those players. Um How's it looking for you? you? You can't play anymore, basically, right? You're done. Yeah, I mean, nothing's, like, official. Um, you know, the team's obviously, the doctors told me that. It's like I've had a couple different mixed opinions in different visits. and How do you feel? Help I mean, it's like I played softball last night, so <laughs> not very much activity. and, and you, you didn't know, slide into and, second, yeah. you mean? No, 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 there's no slide. I slid once, and I regretted that. What um, position were you no, playing? Like, were you pitching? No, no, I play outfield. <laughs> it's uh, it's like Baldone. So like you pitch to your own team, and and I think it's like it's super dangerous. You got the little cage, but man, like oof, I don't want to get hit by the ball. Like guys hit hard. <laughs> I wake, you know, I wake up today like a little bit sore. You're so you're, like me. I'm just so used to people telling me, "Oh, you can't. Oh, you can't. Oh, you're done." Oh, it's like. I have a hard time changing my, my, my mentality. And I just hope one day I wake up and wow, like I, I feel great again, or I feel normal, or I feel like I can push myself to get to a place where maybe I can start training to be an NHLer again. And it's like to not have that hope anymore. Like it just feels like it's, it goes against who I am. And, you know, maybe at a certain point, 
I finally realize it or my mind finally says, oh, like, like start listening to these guys. Like they're right. They have the experience. They, they know everything and, and, and stop being kind of naive and thinking that you can just do it one more time. Like maybe it's it, but I haven't got there yet mentally. So there's no formal decision for anything. You know, if I wanted to go play somewhere, like obviously there's lots of places you can play outside the NHL. And that's kind of what makes the decision hard is, is, do I want to keep playing hockey? Could I go play 20 games, 30 games anymore? And and if I had that yes answer, I'd probably sign somewhere. And I just don't. And and it's hard. Mentally, it's yeah. hard. It's it's like I just want more clarity. And, and maybe it's clear and I'm just not seeing it that way. But, like, I still want to play. I, I still want to be in the game. I still want to be a hockey player. So it's it's hard not, not thinking that way, you know. But... If I'm not a hockey player, I'd certainly love the opportunity to help the young guys um, do something within player development or, or, or coaching coaching hockey. Um, I don't know if I have a desire to, to be an NHL coach or, or American League coach or anything like that, but I certainly had a good time coaching my, my son's team and, and, and being involved as an assistant coach. And It's fun. It's fun to pass on your knowledge to the kids, and, and I think I have a lot of experience at different levels and, and different organizations and, 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 and battle through a lot. So I feel like if I can help uh, a couple kids and, and help them and, and maybe uh, you know, help them grow, it'd be, it'd be great. So, um, you know, looking at that whole thing, and certainly I, I mentioned that a, a lot of guys love to work with team and you certainly have what it takes. I, I just knowing you as a player and as a person, the times I've heard you speak and the way you handle yourself, I think it'd be awesome. Especially looking at this young group and this young core the Canadians have moving forward. Um, when we look at um, that team moving forward and all these young kids, these draft picks coming in, um, and you said, you know, they might be fighting for a spot this year. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year, but I believe that they're going to be right in there. They're going to be close. Yeah, they're um, going to be competitive. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're, they're going to compete, no question. Oh, yeah. They got younger, and there's going to be more young guys coming in this year. Um, what do you think for these young guys coming in? What's the biggest learning curve for them, these young guys coming in the NHL, coming into this situation here in Montreal? You got to be great every day. Yeah. I think that's the hardest thing as a as a young player to learn. Um, Montreal, the cameras are on every day, every single practice. There's media. There's people watching you, dissecting you. There's TV shows, and you're not really paying attention to that as a player. I get that, but they're there. They're talking about it. The coaches, the GM, they watch you every day. Like some coaches tape the practices and go back and rewatch. And you might not think it as a player, but that you know little pass that you messed up or that system drill that you were in the right spot at the right time like you're you're not showing confidence in the coach by 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 not getting those things right like execution every single day matters going to the gym and doing the workout every day matters weighing in doing everything right matters like just being consistent every day gives you the best chance to be a great nhler and not every young guy has that or or had to be like that and, and maybe in junior there was those nights where you know, you were off a little bit, but you still got two, three points, so everything's pretty good. Like, it doesn't really work like that in the NHL, and that's different. So moving forward, the young guys, you know, they, they have to get into to great habits young and 
and, and really start building that, that work ethic every day to be great every day and knowing that, you know, even when you're not feeling good, you still have to show up, you still have to work, you still have to execute every day and, you know, stay, stay away from, from the distractions that Montreal can, can provide you some nights, right? I mean, yeah. you have a great Saturday night game, you score a goal, your first start, yeah, yeah, you have ooh. a couple beers, the girls are, you know, they know who you are and you have a great time, but... You know, you go to bed late Sunday and you have to wake up Monday morning and go to practice. Are you going to be good in practice Monday morning and get back to work because you're not happy? You want, you know, you want your good game to be every game or are you just satisfied at a good game and the next one will be easy too. And maybe you're going 85% or 95% or, or maybe you're not all mentally there. Those are the challenges of a young guy playing in the city because when you're an older guy with the family, you're probably not going out to the bar. You know, you yeah. go home, you, you go to sleep and then you have your kids the next day, but that's that's the challenge here and 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 for for a lot of the guys here i think i think they're they're gonna handle it they handle it well and you know uh, marty and the coaching staff do a great job of, of taking care of the young guys so i'm not too worried what would you what Good about stuff. what would you say to an ahl guy that's trying to get called up what would you say to him uh well same thing man like you're always one two three game streak away from a call up like you know, in the NHL, like, everything's about roles, you know, like, there's no sense of calling in the top player to go play in the fourth line, like, they might need an energy guy, a fourth line guy, a penalty kill guy, so be great in your role every day in the American League, you're always one call up away, like, you look at Alex Belzil and what he was able to do here, and I think he got a one-way deal with the Rangers, like, how do you not look at that and, and be like, wow, like, that could be me, uh -huh. you know, like, it doesn't matter what you did the year before, the year before, the year before. You're always one call up away, so stay with it. Keep your focus. Um, you know, be good. Be reliable. And, and, and when Marty calls down to, to the coach in Laval and he says, hey, I need the guy for this, 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 maybe maybe it's your name that gets thrown in the hat, and, and, and that's it. That's that's your chance. So um, always know that that's a possibility and, 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 and stick with it. Good advice. There's no question about it. And um, one thing I forgot to talk to you about and mention, um, and I wanted to uh, get your thoughts and feelings about what happened when you fought uh, Mackenzie Wiga. Now, you're not a guy that was known for fighting, uh, certainly not a guy that shied away from anything on the ice. But that night, uh, I remember I was there, and Christ, I felt bad for you. Um, uh, he hit you with a good shot, no question. But how how difficult was that for you um, to get over that and get through that? Um, because that's not an easy thing um, when that happens to a guy. And I've seen, honestly, when I, I've fought everybody, I've watched fights left and right. When I see a hockey player get hurt in a fight, it bothers me. <laughs> it does. I've seen Proby get knocked out by uh, Todd Ewan. I've seen... Uh, Todd Fedorik got his face crushed mm. by um, Bugard. And then I seen him get knocked out by Orr on the ice. And it just, it sickens me. How tough was that on you? And after you got hit with that shot to bounce back and, and beat Paul Byron? Uh, well, I mean, it happened at the end of the year. I think, like, the worst part was missing a couple games leading up to the playoffs. Like, yeah. that hurt me more than, than getting punched in the face, you know, like. Did you have a concussion from that though, or did yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, did that he, last? He knocked, he, he knocked me out pretty good. I mean, uh, 
I knew going into that game, like I knew he was going to fight me. And, and What know, was that brother. over, by the way? Yeah, you knew he was going to fight you. Why, why? Did you guys have a problem before? Well, I, I, I hit him, and, and I mean, I got suspended three games. And, yeah. uh, you, know, I, you know, I play hard. Um, you know, I can be pest, like a pest out there. I get that. But, like, I feel like I always play a clean game. You know, like I – that bothered me, that hit. You know, like I didn't mean to hurt him like that. I didn't mean to yeah. – to you know i didn't want to get suspended i was just trying to finish a check i came in so fast i was coming on a power play breakout and you know like i'm not on the power play very often like i was trying to make the most of my fucking chance on the power play you know and, <laughs> yeah. and i cream them and 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 you know i'm going to the box and like you know the guys hurt and i felt terrible and like it's like the code in hockey like you know it was a dirty play i knew he was probably going to beat me up he's way bigger than me but you know like I didn't want a teammate to come in and have to like fight my battle or I didn't want the game to get dirty because sometimes when that happens, like cheap stuff can happen in the game. So I figured, you know what, just answer the bell, fight him, tie up his arm and, 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 you know, take a couple punches, go to the box it's done. Like that was the yeah. intention. And, you know, unfortunately, like I didn't get a good grab his, his arm got loose and he hit me with a good one, but it was the end of the year. We only had a few games left, so I missed a couple key games, and and that that stung me more than than, than the punch. I'd say like uh-huh. we missed the playoffs by one point, and it's like if I would have played uh, one or two games more, just you know, does your team get in? So mentally, that was that was a, a harder challenge. I hear. I had, all, I had all summer to to get better, recover, and you know, going into the next year, like I I, I was fine, like. You know, I wasn't gonna go picking fights with any more guys that were six two two twenty anymore. I'll tell you that. But you know, um, yeah, it's part of the game. Sometimes, like you said, I play with McGradden and and some tough guys, and 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 I've seen guys get knocked out. Like it sucks. Some some of the toughest guys I know get knocked out. It happens. Yeah. It just takes one punch, and you yeah. know that's 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 the repercussion. Sometimes dropping the gloves, and you you know that as a hockey player, and yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. Well. I'm glad uh, you were no, able to you get never got that. knocked. You never got knocked out. Uh, no. It's because you got a head. It's <laughs> <laughs> a minute. Yeah. No, I uh, I could take a punch. And uh, I actually, what Paul talked about tying guys up, you had to. I there, There's so many big guys out there back then. It's like, even now. But, you know, I was fighting Dave Brown or Samenko or this one or that some big boys and you have to fight smart to get through it. It's not easy. I had to develop a, <clears throat> a strategy to fight those guys. Cause if I didn't, I wouldn't have lasted. There's just no way you can't just stand there and go toe to toe every night and think you're going to uh, systematically go through every guy in the league. Yeah. You have to have a, a bit of a plan. And uh, I certainly did. I adjusted some things as I went on and it helped me last as long as I did 13 years. So, like Paul, 13 years, right, Paul? Yeah. Pro hockey, 13 years. Listen, Paul Byron, you've been um, awesome to have you on today. Uh, I really appreciate it. And I hope, I really do for you, that there's a place in this organization for you moving forward, whether it's as a player or in player development, because I, I certainly think you're a guy that um, could help this organization either on the ice or off, no question about it. So. I appreciate it. I wish you nothing but the best moving forward. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. All right. Um, That was well said, Nux. I'm with Nux on that, man. We're rooting for you, and uh, thanks for coming on for sure. Thanks for having me out, guys. It was uh, was great.
Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Raw Knuckles podcast. Don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe.